so it's recording now <laughs> okay welcome back to the plant power <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be this like we haven't been here for the past two hours no <laughs> Welcome back to the Plant Powered Podcast. I've got a very exciting interview again today. It's the last interview I'll be doing for a while. So I've got Eden Jade on to talk about all things plant-based bodybuilding because it's something we're both interested in and I've done WBFF and I'm training for my next show and she's done IFBB. So we can talk about both of the federations and all things bikini prep and how to do it on a plant-based diet. So did you want to do a little introduction to yourself as well? Yeah, of course. Thank you for <laughs> having me on your podcast, firstly. Yeah, that's all right. We got there. Um, yeah. Hi, everyone who is listening as well. Um, obviously, my name's Eden. And yeah, Cass and I have very similar interests in many ways. Mm. Um, I studied sports science or sport and recreation um, so that's what I did at university and since then my coaching has kind of it's scaled and it's kind of morphed into a um, I call myself a fitness and mindset coach now um, one because I guess you know having the gift of the gab does help so just having chats having real opus uh, open honest raw conversations with people um, I like to think that that is definitely a, a really good type of therapy for a lot of people is just having a conversation um, and then we dive into like uh, more of the psychology side of things with um, clients and um, kind of just supporting them through uh, their journey their mental health and their fitness journey um, so that's what I do for coaching and yeah, obviously I'm also an athlete, uh, a bikini bodybuilding athlete, and I've done that for the past four years, mm. I think. Um, and like you said, I've compared. I first my first federation was NABBA, so that's a natural federation, and then I did compete in IFBB at a natural nationals after that. So that was IFBB, and then. I have also competed twice or three times in ICN. So that's another natural competition as well. The first question is, we can both kind of answer, but in your words, how would you describe the difference between all the different federations? Good question. Um, I think in what, if I could explain like what makes them all different mm. in one word, like it's culture. I think culture is huge and when it comes to competing, like competing is an amazing, exciting thing. And I definitely know that it's not for everyone uh, because I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, like, ever, like I love to say it, like everyone could compete, but you can compete if you really have that willpower and that mental strength to actually be a little bit more disciplined um, in the sport. But then again, it does depend on your goals and what you want out of it personally. But I think choosing a federation that is suited to you, your values, your morals, your goals, that's so freaking important. Um, because if you do want to keep competing, then it does make the difference, mm -hmm. I think. Um, like the experience that you have in a show will make the difference between whether you want to keep competing or not. Mm. Um, 
And I think, do you think that would be the same? Have you competed in WBFF once or twice? Yeah, only once. And my next show is in October. Gotcha. Mm. And WBFF again, which is a federation, yeah, that I haven't done. And so I think NABBA is, was a really, really good place to start. So for those who were in our New Zealand, um, those who are thinking of competing, I think NABBA is a great way to just step on stage, build a base of confidence. Um, and I think that the demographic in in that sport is slightly older as well. There's a definitely a range of ages, but I think that you'll find that the ladies and the men who have been competing for a lot longer and they now just love to have freaking fun with it, um, they'll jump into a federation like NABBA because it's been around for a while. Um, and then, yeah, I think... I wanted to try an IFBB. So what I found with IFBB, um, like obviously it's it's internationally renowned for being a very highly competitive federation, I think. And so I wanted more competition because I am quite internally like competitive in myself and I'm not competing against anyone else. And the reason why I compete is to see if I can, and it might be the same for you, like to see if I can improve my physique from the last time that I stepped on stage. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try something different. And it was a, a national, I think because of COVID, we got straight into, um, you could qualify straight away into the natural nationals without doing a regionals. And yeah, so that was a huge, that was like, I'd had a coach for the NABBA show for my first show. Um, and then that actually before the, natural nationals is when I went strict vegan like full vegan full plant-based to prove that I could compete in that show um, and build muscle because I'm a hard gainer like I'm an ectomorph um, l- very long lanky limbs and sometimes we do find it more difficult to pack on weight or show muscle so I was like fuck I'm combining my genetics my body type with a diet that people technically say you know like oh good luck putting on some fucking muscle um because you're not eating meat you're not consuming dairy products blah blah blah. I was like you know what fuck it I'm still not doing it to prove it to you but I'm genuinely curious myself so a lot of stuff that I do as an athlete and as a coach is out of curiosity because I think it makes things fun. Um, so I had to, in order to be able to teach it or coach it or share my experiences, I'm like, I've got to do it myself. So I went strict vegan for that prep and I won my um, bikini division and that was the most muscle that I had ever held at that stage as well. So there you go. <laughs> Mm. yeah I didn't even know you won so that's so good but yeah I I think it it was amazing Mm. yes I've won gold in every single division and show that I've competed in and then my last one I got a gold and a few silvers um in a sports division as well which was Mm. really fun but that's just out of, uh, and I've coached myself for the past two years. So I think you learn, you really, really learn the most when you're the one coaching yourself and you're the one listening to your body. And you as a holistic coach, um, you're probably such a fan of just 
really being mindful of what you're feeling when you eat and consume certain things yeah yeah honoring your cravings and seeing how you feel after meal times and how much energy you have for your workouts and stuff so yeah and I just wanted to say I think I don't know 100% but the Australian equivalent of NABBA is probably ICN which stands for I Compete Natural Um, I don't know how different the shows are but that's probably the same kind of thing and then the way I would describe WBFF is that stands for World Beauty Fitness Fashion and that's the one I went straight into because I used to just look at all these women I looked up to on Instagram and they were doing that big ass one but the main difference with WBFF is that it's so glam and the bikinis are like so heavy and full of all these diamonds and sparkles it's like a queen's bikini so I just jumped straight into the biggest show there is because that's the only one I'm interested in (laughs) so yeah I've got my second show in October (laughs) yeah yeah so all of them have different judging criteria and um, different poses like with the IFBB the posing's a bit different to WBFF like with the one I'm doing um, you've got more freedom to pose kind of how you like instead of I don't know kind of make the routine your own to show off your best features and stuff so there's a little bit more freedom around that and you also get judged on um, having the best gown or even like matching the embellishments to your shoes to match your bikini and it's like a bit more fashion orientated as well so I kind of like that side because it's nice to get dressed up and feel girly and stuff because I usually just wear gym clothes every day. So <laughs> it's nice to get all glammed up and stuff. So that's probably the main differences between the shows. And, yeah, finding what kind of thing you're after, the kind of size competition that you want to go to. And also if you win, like what do you get out of that? Because if you win IFBB, that leads to does that lead to the Olympia show? So I think in New Zealand, um, well, technically you actually have to, so now that you say that, um, to or to qualify technically for like a pro card, so in bodyboarding, in order to earn for the listeners, I guess, who don't know, mm-hmm. in order uh, to make money from the sport, you have to become a pro athlete. So, yeah, and that's where the real money comes in. Otherwise, you know, the sport does get expensive and it's like anything, like you're paying to compete in the hopes basically um, or with the desire that you could become a pro athlete and make some, you know, earn an income off it. Yeah, so I think IFBB, that can go into like in an international context that if once you have your pro card, you can, um, I'm not sure if you, you just have to qualify or I'm not sure if they actually like scout. I don't know if that's a thing, but basically you would have to qualify within like a top three or top five or whatever. Um, and then that can go towards Mr. Olympia, which is international that's huge um is that joe wider's there's mr olympia and there's also another huge one but Mm. basically it's a very ifbb um is a very traditional takes a very traditional stance on bodybuilding you've got your og like you've got your bikini which is all about um femininity it's about you know having a sculpted body but muscular balance and symmetry is that is like very much so what they look for and and that's in all the categories but for bikini it's like you want capped shoulders um so wide broad capped shoulders and basically if you don't have capped shoulders or glutes and tie-ins which is the like the lie the line uh, underneath your hamstrings up 
into your glutes. If you don't have that and you don't have nice glutes as a bikini model in IFBB, then it's kind of like mm, good luck um, according to the judges' criteria. Um, and it's it's interesting because between ICN and IFBB even, so bikini IFBB likes to have like the criteria is conditioned it's lean like very very lean um you can look a little bit more harsh i guess or solid um whereas when it comes to icn it's like if you have that if you're that lean they don't like it um and i think that was almost similar to how they had the criteria it may still be the criteria for WBFF, but they like you to come in with a slightly softer look with the outline of your abs, but you cannot have a six pack. For WBFF? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it it's huge. Like the, the bodybuilding industry is huge. I guess. Yeah. If you want to, you have the opportunity to grow in the sport. Um, it's just, yeah, it's completely different. If you want it for that competitive competitiveness of it, um, without the glitz and the mm. glam, because um, like you were saying, Cass, with your heels mm. and with your bikini, how expensive would your mm. how how expensive does that get? Yeah, so the brand new ones are about twelve hundred and more if you get it designed specifically for you. But I just bought a. Yeah, I just bought a secondhand one off Marketplace for mine. So that was 500, I think. And I just had to get a couple of alterations because the girl before me had huge fake boobs. So the top wasn't actually fitted to me. So I just really like stuff it a lot. Um, so this year I've been looking at bikinis to buy secondhand. And I'm like, I've got this, now that I've competed once, I know what's going to make me pop on stage and I know what's going to look good. So I've been trying to find something secondhand, but I think I am going to go all out this year (laughs) and get it like made for me. Um, So that wasn't the plan, but I feel like I'm in a really good place with my body and stuff. And I feel like I've got a good show now, like a good chance at the show now that I know what to expect. And with how consistent I've been and stuff. So I think this year I'm going to get it made just for me. And, yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty expensive. Mm. Oh, that's uh, – people are like, how, like just why? Mm. People are honestly like, why do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's – and like you said, like it's a it's a thing. It's a – for you, you want to feel – glammed up you want Mm -hmm. to feel like a boss ass bitch on stage and I I think it's such a confidence thing and if you don't already feel like you have that extreme confidence like guaranteed when you throughout the journey you do start to grow it and then once you hit that stage it's such the adrenaline and the endorphins and the dopamine and everything that is released, like when you're up on stage and you're like strutting and flaunting everything that you have worked so hard for, mm. like for months, it's it's just the best feeling in the world, eh? Mm. It's so good. And you're looking so, your physique right now is <laughs> amazing, by the way. Thank you. I feel like I'm more, I'm more bulk than ever, but both times I've competed is because I've been through a breakup and it was with the same breakup from the same person. <laughs> Uh, for last year like I've talked about this before really? but yeah 
last year, last April, um, we broke up into February and I did a six week prep and um, it just helped me start eating better again, start going for walks because I was just crying in bed, calling the counselors every day, super depressed and just not eating and stuff. And I put together another before and after photo. I'll put it on the screen when I edit it. And I actually didn't realize how much weight I lost. Plus, the year before, during 2020, I basically had the whole year off weight training because of COVID because the gyms were closed. So I basically had a year off and then weeks and weeks in bed doing nothing because I was so depressed. And then just decided to sign up for the show with six weeks to go to find a bikini, start to prep, start to eat better, try to build a little bit of muscle. And then um, hopping on the stage and doing that show that I'd always seen the woman like that I look up to on Instagram. I was like, holy crap, that is amazing for your confidence. And then I got third and I've never stepped on stage before. So that was amazing. And then this year, like I, <laughs> we spent nine months apart last year and then I thought that it would be better this time. And I think it lasted Right. maybe two months yeah. and then we broke up again into February so it was like a one-year loop which is crazy to have the same lesson <laughs> so it's um almost August now well, it's July now when we're recording this and I'm going to compete in October so it'll be probably a year and a half in between them so that's enough time to go through a bulk period and when I'm at the gym I just think about all the people I'm angry at all the people who I don't like or people who have fucked me over or I don't know I just get really angry and like really release my emotions and I just keep getting more bulked up and I'm feeling probably better than I ever have in my whole entire life (laughs) (laughs) that's the best story ever are you okay yeah well I just put on obviously I listened to dubstep and I just put on like really loud dubstep and then even the guys at the gym who were just minding their own business working out I just try to get musclier than them when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah it's almost so, like yeah because it could go either way like you know you could you could be in that like oh you know woe is me like the world is turning against me kind of thing go to the gym like I've been at the gym before and felt like shit and I've just cried and sometimes you want to go home but like and yeah you're gonna have those days but if you're like thriving off of the opposite because you want to fucking like <laughs> like think about when you're like when you're shoulder pressing or something just think like that someone's face is above you no I'm not that sad but like I see how you can like yeah. bring that yeah <laughs> you can like bring that anger into it to actually like give you the the fucking yeah the pump the pump for it yeah wow yeah that is a tactic that not many people talk about so that's interesting thank you for sharing it's, that they probably think it's unhealthy to think about that stuff at the gym but it does feel like a release and it's a good way to get your emotions out so I think it's helping a lot and it's obviously working because I'm working out really hard kind of thing um but yeah I think it's always best like you can look up to the people online who have your ideal physique or whatever but you should always be trying to improve from your previous physique so I'm trying to beat my physique when I lived in New Zealand that's when I was the most lean I think I already have and I've already beat last year's physique on show day I think I'm looking better now than on show day and I haven't started the cut yet so it's definitely going good but competing really helps with having a goal as well to help stay consistent so yeah it's exciting 
Oh, hugely, hugely. I think, yeah. And like you said, like going back to what you were just talking about before, like if it's a release for you, like in a healthy way and it's like, you know, within, it's like internal. Mm -hmm. It's not like, as long as it's not affecting anyone else and as long Mm -hmm. as you're not like coming out of the gym, like, you know, in a worse state Mm. than when you went in there. Yeah. And it's helping you, like, for you, you're you're processing it. Otherwise, you may not actually bring it to the surface Mm. of your master anyway. Um, And so it's actually, but it's crazy that now, but you're not going to do it again, are you? You're going to do the same loop? No. (laughs) (laughs) You know? No. Maybe, maybe a third, maybe third time. No, it has already been third lap. It has been already like ten times, but (laughs) but that's why I moved away so I can start my new. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But then until you like, until you understand that, like they, it doesn't matter. They don't matter anymore. Yeah, they don't matter. You're doing this for you. Yeah, you're like you're thriving, Mm -hmm. and you can tell. And it's just like when. If you keep bettering your physique, like you already have, like you haven't even started your cut and the fact that you mm. see that you're in a better physique or point at this point in prep than last time, mm. like that's freaking exciting because that's what it's all about. Like when you're off season and you already look more conditioned. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important if you're doing a show or a prep as well to always look at it in a way to reward yourself, not punish yourself. Like if you've come out of a breakup or a bad time in your life and you decide to compete, it's not to starve yourself because you don't deserve food and you like lots of the girls actually get bulimia and like really bad eating disorders and stuff. But I viewed it as a way to start eating more salads and eat more nourishing meals and just be more serious about meal times and get outside to walk more and lift heavier weights because it feels good. It's not a way to punish yourself. It should be viewed and done in a positive way because you love your body, not hate it kind of thing. So I think that's the most important factor so that it doesn't turn unhealthy. That's very important. That's mm. so, so true. And I think that because bodybuilding does bring on I think that every athlete can relate to feelings of body dysmorphia in some way um uh, you know so many athletes would would get it a lot worse I guess than other athletes and it depends how like strong-minded you are Mm. but um yeah like the first year that I tried to prep with the wrong coaches and I knew I didn't really know anything about it this was like five years ago and I've, I've talked a little bit about it before um but it just entirely like fucked me over. I was, I thought I was doing the right thing and then I wasn't losing the weight because I was getting stressed and I was holding on to the weight. Um, and it was doing mm. all the reverse and the opposite things mm. that it was actually meant to. And I thought that I was, you know, I had like, it was like six weeks to go, five weeks to go. Then I was like four weeks out and I hadn't budged in weight or anything. And I, and it's not like I was, I'm, I wasn't big, but I knew mentally I was screwed and then nothing was changing physically. So then it affects your mental state even more um, because you put yourself you are putting yourself in a state of, you know, in a deficit for Mm. a certain period of time. That's inevitable. Um, So when you're, you know, when your, your gut health, you know, it relates directly to your mental health as well. So when you're lacking things and nutrients that you usually would need to function efficiently, like you're going to start to go a little bit backwards. Um, 
So everything for me was just so imbalanced in that first year of me prepping. And I started to view my body as like, I'm not good enough. It's mm. not okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that was because of the fact that I had veered off of my goal, why I initially started, was because I wanted to prove myself to myself that I could, you know, get stronger and get to a physique that um, I thought initially, you know, like wasn't obtainable. But then I was like, you know what, I'm going to prove myself wrong and I'm going to have fun with it. And it was a fun element that I started to lack. Um, and I pulled out of that show because I saw myself that I was spiraling into depression and anxiety. And mm. um, But then the following year, like you said, you're like, you want to do this because you love your body, not hate it. And so that's one of the reasons why I actually decided to compete again the following year. And everyone's like, but you fucking hated it mm. the first time. And I'm like, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. It was the fact that I had been guided into doing something maybe the wrong way mm. that made me lose track of my goals and who I was as a person. Mm. So I know who I am as a person and I know why I'm doing it. And so I was like, I'll give it another go, but I'll get another coach. So I did that, loved it, coached myself for another two years, mm. um, then just did my last ones. And I think the more that you do it, so the first few shows I struggled with that, um, mainly post-comp. Um, not so much during, but post-comp, I struggled for my first two shows to put on weight afterwards. Mm. And that's why now, coming out of this show, it's different because I've learned that I have, I still have to um, track foods for quite a while mm. post-show. Not, not tracking my fitness power, but just... Um, know how many calories I am having so I put on weight mm. so because it can be like you're in a deficit but now I'm like I want to keep going and doing this without the goal of another competition now because I want to put on weight so that's why I'm still being mindful of what I'm eating but it doesn't always have to be about weight loss mm. and the aesthetic side of things it's it goes you know it's in season off season but mm. um I think I've learned to find the balance in that now and why it's so important to just take the off-season part just as seriously as the in-season is mm. so important. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to quickly touch on one thing before the second question, but I think it's also important to find the right coach as well because some coaches, like a lot of the girls who are at the top, top ranks, they've got male coaches who I think have quite a masculine approach and that's what they like because they just like it to be strict, black and white, no varying outside of the program, um, no, I don't know, like do it. There's no other option to not do it basically. Uh, you can't skip a workout or anything. And one of the girls who I met backstage said she liked prepping for the show and she was in amazing shape but – she said she lost her period and then her coach said, yeah, well, do you want to win or not? And just had no care for her feminine health or anything. And they just can be quite strict. And I'm a person who doesn't like rules, doesn't like being told what to do. I do all my own food and stuff. Like I like guidance around, I still am still not tracking calories, but I like guidance around how many calories to eat or how to prioritize protein. But I don't like being told even what to eat. I just like having maybe ideas, but 
I do all my own food. So my coach is quite, I'd say she's quite lenient, but then when she does see me slacking off, she just had to like ground me for the first time the other day because she would give me exercises. And if I didn't like an exercise, I'd just swap it out because it was too hard. So she's like, Cassie, from now on, you can't swap out the exercises you don't like. So I'm like, oh, okay. But I think having that style of coach works for me because I hate rigidness and I like more feminine energy and stuff. So Definitely the coach that you choose can have a huge impact on how your prep goes for the show. Mm. Like, and that's that's amazing to hear that you're like so flexible with it that you're still not tracking calories. I should be. Like, that's incredible <laughs> because you're still making so much progress. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what does your coach think about that? I think when it, when it starts to come to crunch time, like I want to start tracking now just to know how much I'm eating. But I know I, I, know I eat around 1,800 to 2,000 at normal maintenance, maybe 2,200 if it's like a hard leg day. So I know it's always within that range, but like it would be good to start like tracking for a protein goal and stuff and just to know how much I'm having so we know how much to cut by. But I just don't like it. Like if I make a big recipe and I don't know how many serves is in there or I just eat out or eat something during the day and then it's been like weeks and I'm like, oh my God, I'm still not tracking. So I've got lots of resistance around it, but I need to start. Uh, I can, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You've still got a yeah. You've still got a fair amount of time yeah. to go. So like you, about like you with the discipline that you do have, like the self discipline. You when it's crunch time and you need to, you understand that you obviously want to start fine tuning mm. because if you want the best physique and to beat the one that you've had last time obviously you know that you've got to make those small adjustments that you didn't do last time mm. so you will but I don't think that that's uh I think it's such an amazing approach approach that you have because of the fact that when you don't track it just makes you so much more aware of the processes and of the emotions and like how you're actually feeling mm. when you eat certain things and like certain amounts yeah um Whereas, like, when you start tracking, you start, like, I used to remember I would get so, you know, if it says 12 grams of peanut butter, you have 12 grams mm. of peanut butter. Like, but you're just, you know, and you're just so, like, fixated on that. that and I used to, like, be like that for a few of my preps um, that I thought that that was going to change everything. You know, if I had 15 grams, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got to make sure to have this amount of calories less in my next meal. Mm. Um, whereas in reality, as you would have discovered through your like process as well, is that if you have like a different amount of calories slightly one day, then, it, you know, it, it really you've got to look at the weekly total calories and mm. estimate of how how much you're actually having over an entire mm. week right not just day to day not just meal to meal um and and that's kind of where like refeed things come in as well or like um macro cycling or calorie cycling because at the end of the day you just want to hit your macro targets for the week but a lot of people just find it easier to break it down day by day but um going back to what you were saying about the coach anyway it's so freaking vital to find someone that does understand how you operate mm. best um because of the fact that when you were saying some girls prefer coaches that are like males mm. and they do whether they're female or male like having that masculine yeah. energy where it's like 
it's so like you do this and this and this and it's this way or the highway yeah it can be so detrimental to to the athlete's health um my I haven't talked about this yet mm. I'm happy to open up about some of the things um to do with my last prep on this it, like on this um interview because I think it's very relevant and it's super important but um yeah my last prep I it was up and down with coaches I actually got a new coach this time where I, I've prepped myself for the past two years but I, I invested a lot of time into my clients this year um and we were doing the same show so that was fun mm-hmm. and so I was like okay I want to get a coach so that my so that I'm still getting the the accountability and the guidance that I need um started coaching I mean started working with this coach and then basically shit happened um his he had you know family personal issues um going on at the same time so I didn't receive or hear anything from him for a a couple weeks um and I was like oh you know is this what I signed up for I didn't really this is I'm not getting the accountability that I need so anyway I dropped that coach and I was very polite about it and I said look it's it's just I'm getting nowhere with this I'll settle for not settle but I'll just go back to coaching myself again um and then I coached myself for a few weeks and I'm like I'm losing I'm lacking focus direction um a bit of motivation because again coaching my clients is another story um and then so I was like okay there was this there's a coach at my gym and we had a good chat he has stepped on a world stage I'm pretty sure in his country um and he he knows his shit he's a good he's a good freaking coach but what I will say is is that he was not adaptable uh at all to be honest um and didn't actually I felt like I wasn't getting heard as an athlete and I was being treated like a male physique mm-hmm. athlete um and this was for weeks of prep and it was the, so I because I'm obviously like still plant-based um I haven't been eating seafood I haven't been eating meat or whatever um but then he goes would you reintroduce fish back into your diet and I was like you know what yeah I've kind of been craving fish so mm. why the fuck not so I went from having no fish and this is just a small example but no fish for a few a few years probably um to to fish three times a day oh um, even oh I couldn't do that <laughs> three times a day <laughs> and, and it's plain fish you're not allowed to use oil <laughs> and it's like I mm, my flatmates hated me because my flats are like shit all the time like I just it was it was it was not only that but it was also like egg whites twice a day as well mm. and I was like uh okay I didn't really I was like 
I said, can I switch the fish out for um, tofu? Mm. Like at least one of the meals. Like my last meal was 200 grams of fish and salad, which I never had the salad because I'm not going to sit there. I'm not one to eat lettuce and like stupid little, eh, I don't really fuck with salad. But so I would just eat fish on its own. But then I was like, can I switch it out for some tofu? And it was like, yep. And then I, I, it got to maybe like six weeks out and I'm like, I'm still feeling really bloated. Um, I'm like, I'm not. I know my body doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel normal. Um, my acne was coming back. I had like tartar buildup in the back of my teeth. Um, I don't know if that, what relation that has to because I floss and I brush my teeth a lot. Um, and I care for my like oral hygiene. And I started getting like real bad bacteria tartar buildup um, behind my front teeth, which was so weird. Um, there was a lot going on. And, and then when I said I was bloated, he goes, oh, are you still having tofu? And I'm like, yeah, once, sometimes twice a day. He said, no tofu. So then for the past, for the last, like, at least a month, it was just fish and egg whites as my protein source. Um, and my diet literally consisted of fish, egg whites. We had the opposite approach. Fish, egg whites, and it was freaking expensive. Yeah. Holy shit. Um avocado even that was eliminated and then in the last like six weeks I was only allowed almond butter was my fat source and then for carbs I had oats and rice Mm. and that was my whole diet plus some um green beans and green veg Mm. spinach um but my diet compared to yours complete like complete opposite you're living a very like and I believe in flexibility Mm. which is why I really admire your approach because I'm such a holistic coach Mm. myself having this prep and doing it this way just reminded me how how and why like people get so um mentally unwell in the sport when they're so strict and they don't want to do it but their coach is telling them to Mm. um in order to do well Mm. I don't believe you have to have a diet like that um, to do well in this sport mm. yeah well I do have something in the works that is for like plant-based athletes bodybuilders gym enthusiasts so because yeah no one knows what to do in the industry so I'm making a bunch of recipes that like cater towards people like that but still will help you to achieve your physique goal. So that's my project for the second half of the year. So I should launch it. I think it's going to be in like six weeks. I'm going to aim to launch it. So, yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That makes me happy. Yeah. I'm so happy. You have no idea. Because no one does know. No. Right? There's not enough. There's, no one's pushing it. No. <laughs> and especially when people are eating like the same handful of ingredients, chicken, broccoli, rice, or even for you, that was probably a total of six to eight ingredients on repeat. That's the worst thing that we can do for our gut bacteria, which is related to our mood, immunity, our whole digestion and everything. And then once you start eating other foods back, like introducing other foods back, it's just going to cause a whole host of problems because your gut doesn't know how to digest it anymore. And also like limited micronutrients, like different color veggies and different types of carbs to give us different nutrients. So maybe swapping rice to quinoa, then the next week having um, roast, like roast starchy veggies and stuff and swapping out like 
your broccoli for a purple cabbage and then like a red capsicum and tomato and just eating different colors is one of the most basic things we can do for our health and especially with bodybuilding it gets really really strict so I'm trying to change the way people view it as well so yeah exciting stuff (laughs) that is so exciting it's beautiful mum always used to say like you've got to eat the rainbow you've got to eat the rainbow (laughs) yeah okay we're (laughs) going vegan yeah do oh yeah 40 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say question number two <laughs> yeah what were you gonna oh, say? this is gonna, this is a, oh for the viewers yeah for the listeners that didn't know this is a week-long episode <laughs> extravaganza yeah what were you gonna say uh, anyway no, I was just gonna say, like when I when I first went um, plant based and vegan, I was exposed to so many vegetables and so mm. many foods that I had never eaten before, and like different ways of creating meals, which might be in one of your other questions. But like you are, you get really creative with it. And then I went into more of a um, like, especially in this prep, into such like a like you said, like six ingredient kind of. Um, shopping list Mm -hmm. like that was what everything every meal was the same every single day like it's just it's not healthy it's not good like you said for your microbiome your gut health and then coming back out of that again introducing just the same vegetables that I was having before were making me instantly bloated instantly uncomfortable but it was more so like the beans the legumes Mm. Um, all of that stuff I just I'd started to learn to process those in, an, in a really good way mm. um, even the tofu so the soy in that was just too much for me and now it's slowly getting better again but yeah mm. I can understand that that's it's, it's, I'm very excited <laughs> to see what you launch in the next yeah. <laughs> six weeks or so yeah uh, so question number two <laughs> What are your top tips on building muscle on a <laughs> top tips on building muscle on a plant based diet, and how would that defer to a standard Western diet? Ooh, okay. Top tips to building on a plant based diet. I think at the look, the thing is, you don't need a trick. Um, but I would say if you are someone that doesn't actually mm. that is not aware of how much you are consuming and you think you are because the thing is I think a lot of females in particular we like to underestimate the amount Mm. of and you see it all the time as a coach as well people underestimate the amount of calories that they have Mm. or they'll think they're eating enough but really it is nowhere near enough the amount that they would need to get the physique that they want and I think a lot of females just because they're um you know, they're content with the meal, they might have a small breakfast, then they're like, oh, well, I'm not actually, I'm not really hungry, Mm. so I don't really need to eat right now. Um, They might have another small meal in the afternoon and then have some dinner. Um, But that's because you've taught your body to adapt to eating less. Mm. Um, So females underestimate the amount of calories that they have often because they're scared of putting on weight because Mm. of societal beauty standards um, that comes into it. Um, so I think it's maybe at the beginning, my advice is maybe to just chuck some things like start to take account into the 
total calories that might be in a few of your meals so that you know how much you're actually having, um, particularly protein. Yeah. And if you're not one to want to ever track calories, I think at least protein mm. is something very, very important to look at. Yeah. Um, because the, the physique that a lot of females want is that tone sculpted look. And that doesn't just come from weight loss. Mm. It's coming from gaining lean muscle. So in order to gain lean muscle, your protein particular in particular has to be high enough um, for you to be able to do so. So I think that my advice, I guess, um, just a simple way to look at it, and I'm not sure if this is the way that you do it, but um, take your body weight. This is for your protein um, daily like target. Take your body weight and you can grow muscle within um, the times it by 1.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per body weight. Mm. Um, and within that range, that will give you a lower range and that will give you an upper estimate range mm. of um, where you can sit within um, your protein range. And anything above that is obviously um, – as you adapt to having more protein, you can go above that. If your protein's higher, you may adjust your other macronutrients to become lower if you are, you know, trying to have lesser calories. Um, but I think that it's a good place to start. Mm. Um, and to, I think, as you know, like when you reply, when you eliminate something, you must replace mm. it with something. Um, e you know, e.g., when I removed meat entirely out of my diet, that was where a huge amount of my protein was coming from. Mm. Um, I was less reliant on protein powders then. Um, so then. When I switched to a full vegan diet, um, I started to become a little bit more um, reliant on protein powders, mm. on vegan protein powders, meaning I wasn't getting as many nutrients mm. and amino acids as I could um, mm. through natural food sources. So um, I think education was huge for me. If you're going to do it, you must know what to replace things with mm. um, and to find the balance in those foods because at the beginning I was I knew I was like okay plant-based protein sources must be legumes beans uh, particularly you know like white beans soy products um what is it the tempeh you know mm. all of that sort of thing tofu and I then I was like okay this this is great and then I just had extreme amounts of it mm. um and at the beginning Tip number two is don't go full into the beans and the legumes and the things that are like slower to digest mm. and process um, because your body cannot process mm. things in that, um, like that much all at once. So I was like, my gas was so bad, like my stomach was bloated all mm. the time. Um, I was just, it was either like, TMI but it would either be like full-on constipation for a long time like could not go to the mm. toilet or then suddenly like my body would process it and then I could go to the toilet mm. um but I think that's because all I knew was to have beans and and tofu yeah so yeah um but I yeah I think it's definitely 
definitely doable to grow muscle and lean, that lean body mass on a plant-based diet. I just think that you have to keep yourself accountable with eating more and more eat more frequently because the more you do so, the more calories you can start to eat and your body will still continue to burn it. Yeah. Um, and as and as you know, like the more lean muscle you have, the more efficient your metabolism um, is going to burn those calories that you're putting in. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The biggest thing, yeah, the biggest mistake people make is just taking meat off the plate and then not replacing it with anything else. So that when I did track for a bit last year before my show, I probably learned a lot about protein just within a few weeks of tracking, even though I don't track in day-to-day life. But it did kind of show you, like, if I was dining out, I went to a cafe and ordered a zucchini pesto noodles with tomato. But that's just veggies and pesto. There's no carbs, there's no fats, there's no protein. So it's not even anywhere near a complete balanced meal. But before I'd done bodybuilding, I'd be like, oh, this is such a nice thing to eat, which is nice for taste and flavor, but not for physique goals. So tracking does help with that kind of thing, even if you track for a protein goal, not for a calorie restricted thing, which can be a more positive mindset to go about it. Uh, The next question I wanted to ask you was, how to shred and lose fat on a plant-based diet because it has so many carbs. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) So I guess, yeah, like you just said, like you need to look at your food, like a simple plate of food. Let me break it Mm. down for you. A really good, healthy, wholesome plate of like vegan food is you have you start with a base, so your base could be, like you said, quinoa, um, it could be rice, it could be couscous. Um, if you're looking at including more protein, like substitutes for rice, say, um, could be, I know quinoa is slightly high in protein, but then you could switch normal pasta or rice out for edamame noodles. Yeah. Um, edamame is super high in protein as well, and so doing little switches like that so start with the base and then on top it's like you're going through like subway or you're going through like a a poke bowl place or poke bowl whatever you say Mm. and then you choose your right like you choose your protein source after that Mm. so you've got your carbs got your protein is that tofu is that i don't know if you you eat eggs sometimes is it a Mm. couple eggs on top at least it's something yeah Um, or the vegan chicken and stuff yeah there's vegan chicken exactly like sun fed chicken mm. there's so there's much more now than there was before mm. but in New Zealand we're still a little bit mm. more slow mm. with it and it is still quite expensive mm. yeah expensive <laughs> um, so definitely yeah freaking it can that part the protein part can get expensive mm. but compare that to buying sirloin right mm. or buying normal meat that can also get expensive um so it's just like, what do you want to, you know, what's your preference really? What are you, um, mm. I guess, putting as priority? But then after that, like, you also want your greens and you're looking at like green fibrous vegetables. So they're the ones that are leafy. They're the ones that are green. Um, will give you lots of micronutrients, minerals in that. And so, um, and things you can get, um, you know, on a vegan diet as well like people are like oh but what about calcium but um also you can get in calcium through certain vegetables i think mm. 
I think bok choy is one of the highest mm. fibrous vegetables for like calcium and yeah. Um, Even tofu so has calcium your, as your well. Base, your base, yeah, mm. right. And so definitely, like having the variety and layering. Think of the layers of your level. Oh, sorry, layers of your meal. Um, when you're looking for a full balanced plate of something, mm. and when it comes to it was weight loss, you said right. Mm. Um because of carbs yeah well the thing is is that (laughs) i don't think it matters um what diet you're on Mm. it's just the general rule of thumb is that like if you're eating in a surplus of calories um as to what you were what you were consuming then you're gonna put on weight so like it really doesn't matter (laughs) at the end of the day if you're looking at weight loss about the balance of the macronutrients that you have um and i actually think that a vegan diet would be one of the easiest ones to um actually consume lesser mm. carbs in because of the fact that a lot of your diet will consist of vegetables mm. and foods from the ground and mm. um to make it flavorsome yeah. as well to make it really good but in any diet yeah. if you and it just doesn't it's just you know just, when people are like oh but there's so many carbs yeah it's so it's so simple. It's probably the vegan diet is probably or the plant based diet is probably as simple and as basic as it could get. Yeah. But people overthink it because we've been accustomed mm. to eating meat. Mm. Um, yeah, that's just what I got. Just society for you. That's just what I got told at the start when I got my first ever weights program. They were like, "Oh, you like it's really ineffective to eat that diet because it's got so many carbs. You can never get the right body composition. All the macros are thrown out." Um, and then that's like just been my mission this whole time is just to prove everyone wrong because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It is hilarious. Yeah. So many carbs. Now, on a side note, my um, sister did say, I just thought of something funny. Ah, oh, go away, Zoe. She's actually calling me right now. Um, she said, how do you... Oh, I said, Zoe, where, like, where, where's the protein on your plate? Because mum still cooks for my sis. I was staying at home for the weekend and she still cooks for Zoe and dad. They eat meat. And she had the tiniest bit of like casserole meat. And I was like, what What are you, where are you getting your, there's no protein on your plate. Come on, Zoe, like you're gymming now. You're into this. Like I want you to make quality muscle and so does she. Mm-hmm. Um, but you must have, you know, you must have protein. And she goes, there's no protein in meat. And I was like, where are you learning from? <laughs> Who told you this? Yeah. <laughs> there's no protein in meat. So I think there's so much that goes around and so much yeah. education to do still. Yeah. Around this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, the end of the day comes to being in a calorie deficit. But I was going to say, like my nutrition studies were focused on the blue zones, which I'll do a whole nother video. It's like the places around the world where people live to a hundred years or older with the least amount of degenerative disease. I say that sentence to so many people. It's like, blah, 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 blah. and you will not find, I know what you're talking about. You will not yeah. find an overweight person there and their whole diet is full of plants. They live on rocky terrain. They don't go to the gym necessarily, but they're active in day-to-day life doing gardening. They've got a big sense of community, which contributes to the longevity and stuff. But when you're eating plants, 
like you can get yeah unhealthy vegans who are eating a lot of junk food and stuff like that and not being active but a plant-based diet you pretty much can't be overweight because you get so full because it's so dense and nourishing and so high in fiber that you naturally consume less calories so it's the easiest diet to lose weight compared to anything else I reckon Mm, definitely and it's like it it does fill you up faster and I know um well, well that's the thing like when you go back to whole natural food sources say if you if you take for example like one singular orange right you eat that orange and you're having all the fiber and everything that's um in that and it makes you feel like you know you can be quite satisfied um and satiated after eating that orange so that's one with all its juice and all its pulp and everything put that into an orange juice you Mm. blend that up you're consuming so which is like what you know people Mm. on a non you know on a processed let's say call it Mm. for this you know a processed diet um they'll be having an orange juice thing here it's healthy whereas all the nutrients basically and the fiber is stripped out of Mm. it you're technically going to have a lot more freaking calories in that one glass and that one cup because of the fact that in order to make the same amount you're going to have about you know six seven oranges Mm. (laughs) in that small glass you know yeah a huge spike Um, in blood sugar absolutely yeah for sure and the blue zones it's like um it's going back to like the I guess paleolithic diets Mm. and stuff like that before we as humans could actually like process Mm. um or like learn to process meats and consume dairy products and stuff like that and there's a reason why there are documentaries on going on a plant-based diet to reverse um cardiac conditions or like heart Mm. conditions and diabetes cancer um you know to it helps absolutely cancer to it it does like you said increase like the longevity of of anyone's Mm. life really if you're going back to basics Mm. the next question i wanted to ask you pretty much coming off that was what inspired you to try out a plant-based diet so was it those reasons or was it the animals or the planet or something else do you know what this is a question that i um i still think about it every single day Mm. (laughs) in all honesty um I, this is going to sound ridiculous, um, and I wish I didn't say this, but I was already thinking about going uh, vegetarian before the Game Changers documentary mm. came out, and then it it did, and I watched it because I was, again, out of curiosity. Um, my mum was, I think, an influence on me transitioning a lot easier over to a vegetarian diet um, because she had kind of been already eating that way for um over a year um she doesn't like she just she has a fear of getting sick so that's Mm. where her fear of she didn't like to prep or touch meat so she stopped eating meat because of that reason Mm. um so then I was like oh I'll start eating some of her vegetarian meals and then I started to research on um you know how it can help the environment with agriculture with the I guess, um, and what was happening to animals. And the more and more I researched, I was like, it's putting me off things. And I didn't even research that much before going onto it, which is why I say research is so important when it comes to replacing certain food groups. Um, But I tried it for one of, for that national show for IFBB. And what kept me going 
on this diet um, was the fact that I didn't like prepping meat anyway. Mm. And I had prepped meat for so many years, mm. the repetitive diet, um, chopping up the chicken, freezing the chopped chicken, getting those um, packets out when I was ready to cook another meal. I just didn't like touching it. I didn't, I didn't care. Um, so when I did well in the show and I proved to myself and I guess other people as well, um, that you can still grow. And it was the feeling of, I wanted to fix, I wanted to better my health. I wanted to feel fresh. I wanted to not feel, um, gluggy. Uh, my acne was really bad from struggling to digest lactose anyway. Um, so what I, I would always get um, stomach pains because mm -hmm. I felt like a lot of the lactose I was consuming from cheese or milk or whatever would sit in the lining of my stomach. And then I would get these immense like stomach pains. Um, but I, I stopped consuming all dairy products and all of a sudden it starts to go away and my energy levels spike. Um, I felt so, so much better and... I felt less oily and my skin was a huge thing as well. So I thought, look, if all these good things are happening from this diet, what, why would why would I want to go back to something that made me feel any less than great? Mm. And I, yeah, at the beginning, I was yeah. I I think I was um I went into a strict vegan diet yeah because of the fact of that like I wanted to prove that muscle gain side of things but yeah. then. There was a time where I felt a little bit bad um, for being more lenient mm. and I would feel terrible for touching something that wasn't classified as vegan because mm. there is that pressure that comes from it mm. from other people. I allowed that to get to me a little bit. Mm. But once I learned the balance and that my life is, you know, it's all about my choices and I'm allowed to do what I want, um, I love the lifestyle now. So I would, ne I would never go back. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's a long-term thing for me as well. But I initially changed because of a documentary as well. The one I, well, the first one I ever watched was Earthlings, and that's just straight up slaughterhouses for like an hour and a half. And that was like ages ago. And I tried to go vegetarian for like three weeks, and then just didn't know what to do or anything, and then just gave up. And then I watched What the Health, and even though they say like game changers and What the Health is over exaggerated, and some of the facts they say are like a bit off and like biased the whole point of it is still true kind of thing and they just show like I've just seen so much data like I went to a conference or webinar or like a yeah conference thing and they showed they put up this lady's health results she was reversing her own cancer through diet alone and she had think it was 80% or 90% gone and she had done it all herself through food so I was just seeing the results there and then from people who are having success from this kind of thing so I made the switch because of that and then all my digestive issues improved I just felt so much lighter everything like I just built muscle lost fat without even trying it's just like a miracle so <laughs> just the benefits so like so far outweigh the negatives kind of thing but the societal pressure does get hard I guess like if people feel like they can never eat anything with an inch of dairy powder, like milk powder or something ever again, like it can get stressful depending on how far you take it. So finding your individual balance is definitely the key. Mm. It was to the point for me where I was eating, I had to check a box of like 
crackers or or something because if it had like milk powder mm-hmm. in it, I was like, oh, I can't touch it. Like I, I just I can't mm-hmm. do it because you know. But it was that it, I'm like, who's telling me I can't? Mm. You know. Yeah. The next question was pretty much the same. What changes did you notice after making the switch? So you said your skin cleared up after you gave up the milk. And what else did you notice? And that I was getting like less um, stomach pains Mm. as well. Um, That was, that is also something to do, I think, with my menstruation and Mm. everything um, that would have a huge part to play in that side of things as well. But I think in terms of a huge thing for me is um, I'm huge on trying to work on like my mental health and my mental clarity. And sometimes this is why I think it's also like I've still not done one. So I got to practice what I preach, but I really highly recommend um, if people are having, you know, issues with either their stomach or their skin or they can't diagnose something themselves, go and get like a food mm. allergy test because you don't know what you may be sensitive to what you can't actually digest and when things are really like um when you can't process it properly you don't you should have a really a good balance between your you know your good and your bad um bacteria in your gut yeah and when it's all thrown off and your hormones are thrown off your mental clarity cannot be as great as it should or could be and I think um I just wanted a clear mind I really Mm really really like being a creative um a creative kind of I'm a you know a very go 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 kind of person I like to have that mental energy as well as the physical energy and one thing that I've found from fueling my self with plants is that my brain mm. my apart from prep prep is a very <laughs> prep is just a, a whole nother side like a whole nother story but for the most of it my brain capacity and and function is so much more mm. efficient um, than when I was feeling really groggy eating meat and dairy products. Yeah, which mm. is amazing. Just the clarity. Yeah, that is actually true because if you're if someone's eating foods that they're allergic to or even sensitive to, for me, even like gluten, I do have in small amounts. Like if it's in crackers or the odds. Oh, like I don't know something if I'm dining out but I just try to minimize it um I may mainly just swapped out bread and pasta like the bigger items but even swapping out gluten like just gives you so much more clarity if you ask someone who is sensitive to it and if someone's sensitive to dairy or meat is just taking so long to digest um it does actually affect your brain clarity because your mental health and stuff is related to your gut as well. And because you're not just so bogged down and your body's not trying to process all these things and over time, it's just getting it through your system and you can just focus so well. So I definitely noticed that as well. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. That's exactly right. And like when you take that element out of it, like you take that internal, um, stressful environment away from the picture when your body doesn't have to deal with that the energy can then go to other places that like your your energy is always like your brain needs the energy first right and so like there's just can be so much more going to your brain and you can fire faster your reaction time can be faster um again like if you're like a spiritual person you might be able to visualize things visualize things um clearer and better um there's so much that can come into it just from 
um, eating clean and eating things that are unprocessed mm. and are not highly saturated in fats and are not processed, um, you know, sugar, sweet and be- beverages. It can, in, in moderation, mm. I absolutely think everything in moderation is healthy. Um, yeah, mm. if you want to make a change, then you will. I just, uh, I believe that people don't un- necessarily understand uh, the importance of it or they don't know because they haven't tried themselves. So. Mm. For you, what was the hardest and easiest part of making the switch? The hardest part for me was the lack of variety in my food initially, even though I was eating lots and lots of vegetables um, and things I wouldn't usually, I just found myself kind of just making Mm. the same things over and over again, which is why I was having those digestive issues. A part of the hardest thing about making the switch was being in prep and learning a vegan diet at the same Mm. time. Um, all I knew was that uh, along with tracking, I really had to monitor how my body looked and felt by looking in the mirror, progress pictures. Um, that's one of the best ways to tell whether you're making progress, um, either towards or away from your goals. Um, I knew that when I was in my like bulk still, I just had to keep taking progress pictures and analyzing kind of my body in a, in a good way. Um, to, to make sure that I was putting on weight because like you said we're eating so many vegetables mm. so much fiber it's easy to think that you're full mm. but you're not actually getting in all those calories that you mm-hmm. would with like a, a meal that's um, not entirely plant-based so that was yeah probably one of the more difficult things um, the easiest was that for me personally when I make a switch and I'm I and I know um well, it's funny that I say it and I know what I want because I didn't, I didn't necessarily know exactly why I was um, starting a strict vegan diet. I mean, a plant-based diet in general, but when I make a decision, I know that I'm going to stick to it. So um, the, easy, the easiest thing for me was making that decision and like knowing, being confident in myself that I was going to um, stick by my how do you say it? Like, just keep to my word, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and hold myself accountable. And I knew if I held myself accountable and that I believed that I, I truly believed and I put in the effort to do well on a plant-based diet in a competition, um, then I would do well. And I did. And so the easiest thing for me also was having the support of my mum who mm-hmm. was already on a vegetarian um, diet um because none of my none of my friends were so I just yeah at least having that one person kind of in the house and helping me prep for things that was definitely um super handy but yeah obviously on the other side of things one of the more difficult things was just letting people get to me and letting people um, make me feel that I you know I was cheating on myself and that I was failing if I, um, you know, mm. had that, had that um, cracker yeah. that had milk powder in it or, yeah, that was a huge thing. <laughs> yeah, I think I noticed that a lot when dining out because when I dine out, that's my chance to kind of have a little bit more treat food. Like if I dine out and I order avocado toast because yeah. there's bacon and eggs or avocado toast, which is like the only things they offer – um, I do get 
feta on the avocado toast still and it's not something I do often I have cheese like every few months it's not something I buy for myself at home but I'm like you know what I'm gonna have a little bit of feta on this because simply because I like it still (laughs) and it's like a treat but I still feel guilty I'm like oh my god if people knew I was having this it's like I'm going to get bullied and it's like really bad. But as you said earlier in the podcast, like it is your life and your diet and your body. And if it's in alignment with you, then it's okay. So I'm not completely strict with it. And I do still like cheese. I just try to avoid it as often as I can. But if I dine out, that kind of is when I have the treat food. So if you're socializing when you're dining out, that's when they see you. So they'll be like, oh, you're not even plant-based or whatever, but they're not seeing what I'm eating at home the rest of the time kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Mm. People are very quick to judge, aren't they? Yeah. Like, I'll be at home and I'll be, um, I'll, I'll eat something that's, um, t- I don't know what it might be, but then it might have a little dot of milk, yeah. which I don't even actually do, but like, say I have a dot, dot of milk in my drink, <laughs> and then someone will just shout at you, whether it's a friend, whether a friend or a bloody family member, whatever, they'll be like, you can't eat that. And you're like, who the fuck are you to tell me what I can and can't put mm. in my body? Like, Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's such a, um, and like you said that one time, what statistically, what is it actually that is a, that, that is a plant-based diet. oh yeah well in my um studies that i did it said that well that's just their description they said plant-based means animal products take up 10 percent or less of your diet so that can mean whole food plant-based vegan like all the way or it can just be in most of the time so i really like that course because it means like if it's I don't know, someone could just make it work for them. If they really like to have steak during their time of month or something, they can just have it like how I have salmon a couple times a month during my time of month. Or if they are dining out, there is that little bit more flexibility so they can really make it work for them. Because I just hate rigid rules. That's the thing. I just don't like rules. I don't like people telling me what to do. And I don't like to stress out like if there's a cracker. And also if you're out and about and you're starving, and that one bit of food has a dot of milk powder or like if you eat some bread. But I didn't even know that some breads have like egg white powder or something in it. But if there's nothing else and you're starving, you're feeling lightheaded and you're like freaking out because you need to get food in your stomach. I just eat it kind of thing because <laughs> I don't know. But I would rather just live with a most of the time approach because that's what works for me, like works for my mental health as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, that's so important. And I think if you take it, sometimes like putting things in a very extreme context can be like quite useful, but say like, it's the end of the world. Everyone's like, your only option is to either, you know, um, you've got a piece of steak that you're a vegan, you've got a piece of meat there, whatever, like to say (laughs) there's either a whole animal or it's a nice piece of ice fillet Mm. steak that you've cooked on a fire, but like it's either you're going to consume that, get the iron, the nutrients, and you could potentially save your life from eating this, um, or or you're not because you're a vegan and that's against the vegan mm. guidelines. What are you going to do in that situation? Mm. You know, you're not going to be like, I'd rather die. I, well, I would hope not. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. You know, you you will because it's it's you do what is right in yeah. in a situation and what makes you feel like you are heading in the right direction yeah we're not often in life or death scenarios but sometimes I do think about what I would do in those scenarios and stuff but like yeah I think just 
in social situations, I am a bit more lenient, especially if someone else is cooked or if I'm getting like takeaways or whatever. I just try to do my best and honor my body and what I'm craving and stuff. So it is hard when yeah others say like, what, you can't be eating that because I thought you were plant-based and it's like you haven't seen me eat all these vegan meals at home for the last few weeks because I don't dine out often and I don't buy it for my own fridge. But if you do have it every now and again, it's not like the end of the world. Yeah. Like you said, it's what you do most of the time. Mm. That's what matters. Mm. Yeah. My next question for you was, what are your top tips to recover after a tough workout? Because I think that recovery can be almost as important or just as important as the actual exercise. So what are your top tips for that? I love this question because I'm not going to lie, my recovery is shit. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But... I know why, mm. um, and it's because I don't – I personally – I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like, I don't often um, prioritize uh, my recovery and the things outside of a gym context. So it's uh, for a long time it's been engraved, like it's become a habit to go train um, and then leave without stretching, whereas mm. I know if I made it a thing um, – and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to make sure that I stretch for 10 minutes after my training. At least it's heading in the right direction. Um, so I think that this is the worst question for me because I don't actually, <laughs> but, um, but in saying that, I think a huge part of recovery is your I just want to like, this is number one for me because for years I have not prioritized this and I actually am now, but it's sleep. Mm. Um, and, and people are like, oh, you know, it's not, they don't think that it's directly to related, related to your repair or your recovery um, in terms of training, but it absolutely is the most important. The gains don't happen in the gym. Mm. The gains happen when you're resting, when you're in a restorative state, right? Mm. And so when you're getting that sleep and your body can like return or try and return to its state of like homeostasis where it's functioning most efficiently and your cells can regenerate and repair, um, that's when the growth happens. Mm. If, if you don't get enough sleep, like say seven and a half hours it would be like minimum probably, um, then your body is constantly working upon a state of stress. And when your body is stressed, it's not going to repair. It's not going to recover. You're going to find that difficult to grow or build lean muscle mass to, to lose weight. Um, but I think sleep is huge for me. And I'm now at least, sorry, getting um at least eight hours sleep a night and I have noticed a huge difference Mm. um in daily energy levels and just my my body isn't as sore as it usually is but some that has something to do with not being in prep right now as well another thing is is just make sure you are um fueling your body and I think that there's this um this myth about having to get that protein shake in or a meal and straight after your training. And, and I think it's just more beneficial to look at your daily um, caloric intake mm. rather than um, nutrient timing is super important, but nutrient timing is not the be all and end all. Um, so when it comes to protein, 
look at what you're having in total in a day I think it would be it would make sense and be more beneficial to get in something faster um if you train Mm. on a fasted tummy um doing a doing a weighted training it would make sense to get food in um as close as possible um following that training but uh, you know, you're not in a situation, we shouldn't be in a situation where you feel like, oh my God, I've just trained and I need to run to my car to have my protein shake. Otherwise my gains aren't going to happen because mm. it's not like that. So I think it's just regular, like eating small at small increments might be also more beneficial mm. to someone um, during the day, which is why I don't, I, I'm not a huge fan of intermittent mm. fasting or training fasted in general. Mm. Um I think that when you when you train fasted, like just for recovery, I think it's always important um, before you even start training to have mm. something in your system. Yeah. Just because if your body's working from a state of like deprivation, right, um, and your goal is to build lean muscle, where is the energy coming from? And so your body's going to start breaking down and degrading your muscle stores, and which doesn't really make sense. It's not really favoring your gains in that sense. Um, even if it's half a banana, mm. even if it's half a protein shake, yeah. it's something so that, you know, your body has got that insulin or that, that glucose that it needs to kind of function off. Mm. Yeah. I was just laughing before because when you said you didn't stretch – um, oh, I can't remember when, but I didn't even do my stretch yesterday as well. And I was having a bad day and I just made it to the gym and finished the workout. And I still had to go grocery shopping and drive 40 minutes home. And I was like, should I stretch? And I'm like, nah, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> so I've been, no. been like doing, <laughs> the lady that I live with, she is 48 and her calves are bigger than mine, even though we're not even related. So I've been like trying yeah. to compete. She's actually doing the bodybuilding show with me. So That'll be her first ever show. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So she's got bigger calves than me. So I've been trying to go really hard on the calf machine and do all these calf raises. And I just like, I just don't stretch my calves as part of my stretching. Um, and then it got to the point like a week ago where I couldn't even straighten my leg because my calves were so tight. Like they were fully knotted up and stuff. So <laughs> stretching is important. Yeah, and I do yeah. notice like especially if you do take the time just to do it even for five or ten minutes, it does help. And then my two main points were spread out your workout days because I I've seen people just try to smash the same body part over and over. But when you're working out, you're like breaking the muscle fibers and you need like one or even two days ideally in between before you do it again. So I don't do like the same type of um, body part working it out like all in a row or even some people even do it twice in the same day because they're so desperate to grow it but it's better to do it like have one or two days in between and then do it like halfway through the week or whatever so spreading out your workout days and then for me just rest because people are shocked that I don't go to the gym six or seven times a day twice uh, six or seven times a week twice a day Um, I'm trying to go five days a week now but Yes, usually four or five days, five since I've been more serious, but on a normal maintenance, I only go every, like every second day. Um, And I think because I allow myself that full on downtime, and especially if I'm going into my time of month as well, I kind of like really slow down and um, just do different types of exercising, like back to walking the dog. And I just started doing Pilates for something new. And that's like a whole different 
thing so I'm not smashing my body every time and also like remember with the women's cycle that we've got more energy and more strength at certain times of the month and sometimes we need to draw back and honor ourselves and not be pushing ourselves to the extreme so I think just not being strict with yourself is the main thing like if you are someone who goes all the time and I don't know I think also like if you've got to choose between a good sleep like a good meal a good sleep or going to the gym I would choose the good meal and good sleep like instead of staying up late trying to cook when I'm absolutely exhausted putting my body into more stress mode doing a bad workout because I'm too tired anyway I'd rather just go home eat something nourishing and just have an early night and I really see the results from like honoring my body like that so it's kind of a more lenient in holistic way by like listening to actually what you want and then when you do have enough rest days when you go to the gym you can go freaking hard because your body's had all that downtime to recover and repair so you can go way harder and actually push yourself and get better results <laughs> that is so true mm. that is so i like the way that you frame that as well because mm. the literally last night um because my routine now i've become like a morning trainer and so um it's interesting. I've actually fallen into this pattern of so training five days a week and that's in a row, but again, splitting up my mm. body parts. And I've actually found that that's okay. Mm. And then I'll take two days off um, entirely. So Saturday and Sunday. Um, and that's still something I'm trying mm. to wrap my head around because I've always been taught for, for years. Mm. My, my thing has been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, rest Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rest Sunday. Mm. Um, but my body is, it's, you know benefiting from five days a week two full rest days and then I feel more um switched on come Monday if I don't go out and get on the bus mm. um but I think that last night actually that's interesting that you say like what would you choose like training or going um or like having a good meal good sleep yeah I ended up going to sleep at like a little uh, 11 something last night and it's my thing to train at 5 30 in the morning so and I really I I kind of I started to go down that little um rabbit hole of like oh Eden like it's um you know that's not very good of you if you don't go and train at 5 30 in the morning because that's your thing like I was being hard on myself and I was like no I went to sleep at 11 and I've got to get up at five like quarter to six this morning um, I know it's going to be better for me if I sleep longer, like if I don't mm. get up even earlier to train and if I sleep longer and now I'm going to go to the gym this afternoon mm. um, and I haven't done an afternoon training for about like two months. Mm. So it's a little bit weird, but it's just sometimes you've got to weigh up mm. what is better in the situation. Yeah. Mm how point how do you balance your training and physique goals while still managing uh or still maintaining a social life yeah good question um so now i so i can speak from like i guess i want to speak from my last show because i if i'm honest i was pretty isolated mm. this coming prep um and that was for other that was for other i guess like um, it had something to do with my coach and the approach that I took as well. So the balance that I had um, was not a good balance, was not a healthy balance for my mental health. I'm not going to lie for this last prep. Um, but speaking from um, examples from my other shows, I think that 
my approach is that at the end of the day, like everyone has their own goals. And my goal I knew was not to be a pro athlete. Yes, you can train and you can eat and follow everything and, and think like a pro. But at the, at the end of the day, like, it is not a life and death situation whether I go out and have a meal out with friends mm. and family and enjoy myself um, or, you know, or sit at home and be really socially um, isolated um, and, and be depressed. And so having that kind of like I can still achieve my goals mm. whilst having while still doing the things I love, I think that is so important because if you don't do that and you fixate, so fixating on one thing, obsessing over one thing can sometimes be so detrimental mm. um, in so many ways. So I think I just, you need that balance in order to keep sane mm. <laughs> in order to have fun with it because it, whatever you do, you should do it for an element of fun mm. and because it's exciting to you. Mm. So you don't want it to be a process where you actually end up hating it and you don't want to do Mm. it again because that's really sad. (laughs) Um, I think my, my balance was allowing myself to like, if you want to go and eat a meal off of plan and you are following a plan, go and do that. But just know that it's, you know, if you go in, I used to go and have burger fuel once a week, um, and that was my thing. I was really excited for burger fuel and then I would have burger fuel and I would also have kumara fries um, and steal everyone else's food as mm. well. But I knew that that was my one time mm. to really enjoy what I was putting in my mouth. Mm. If you're going to put it in your mouth, at least fucking enjoy it. Yes. That's what I say. Yeah. There's no there's no point in um, putting something in your mouth and, and having that guilty conscience about it because at the end of the day, it was your choice to put it in your mouth <laughs> for you to chew it. No one forced you to swallow it. Mm. So if you're going to do it, at least be happy that you are doing that and you're actually giving yourself grace and, and, and appreciation because if you're being consistent, um, you know, most of the time, then you are – more than um, allowed to eat something a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, burgers are probably my favorite takeaway, like burger or some kind of Italian pizza is definitely my go-to. <laughs> yeah. I've never been a huge fan of Italian. Mm. I wish I was, but I'm just um, – I don't know what it is. <laughs> just I reckon burgers, pizza. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the second to last question is – do you have to go 100% vegan to see results? And how did you find your personal balance with it? Because when I asked Eden to do the interview, I was like, yeah, let's talk about um, vegan bikini prep, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, just letting you know, I'm no longer plant-based. I eat fish now. And I'm like, so do I. That's fine. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. I eat fish though. I'm a failure. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, that balance. I think, like I mentioned before, I, I um, was pretty handy into the veganism, into the vegan diet at the beginning. But since then, I have allowed myself to kind of um, figure out my own my own style. I I, I guess some people called it like because I actually put a poll up on my Instagram and I was like, "What would you call this diet mm. that I'm on?" and the the term diet, I don't see it as a negative yeah. term unless you make it a negative Just term. a way of eating. Um, but I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, 
a way of eating, a lifestyle. And so I'm like, what would you, I was, I was curious, what would you call this? Some people were calling what I was eating um, pescatarian. Mm. Some were like, that's just vegetarian. Others said it was vegan. And so it's, um, it's a mix of everything. And I find that I was weirdly, I never even liked seafood before I went vegan. But as soon as I started going vegan, I started craving um, prawns, yeah. which was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so there was something in it that I was like, but maybe it wasn't the prawn itself. Maybe it was the nutrients that it was mm. giving me. Um, so I was like, you know, I'd been thinking of in, including fish into my, um, or seafood into my diet for quite some time. And now that I do, I enjoy, I really enjoy it on the occasion. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Like I still, um, have tofu, Tofu is my go-to most meals. Mm. Um, I still don't have any dairy products, as in milk. Um, I don't have. Um, I'm like, what's another dairy product? Cheese, um, cream. I don't. I, don't yeah. I just don't feel like I. I. Right, like cream. Sometimes, sometimes a little bit of like, like this is barely ever though. Sometimes some sour cream, but it's mm-hmm. not because I'm being hard on myself. It's because I genuinely just don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think that if it's, I look at animals now. I think this is the most beautiful thing. I like when I'm traveling and I'm in the countryside and I look out to the cows mm-hmm. and the sheep and all the animals that are. I, every single time I see little baby calves or a cow, I'm like, I don't eat you anymore. Mm. Like, I'm so happy. Yeah, that's so good. It was in- So it's, it's that, yeah. I was going to say it's interesting because we got a little calf at our house at the moment and then um, – well, the lady got it to be a friend to the horse and stuff as well so that the horse has a friend. But it was a little baby calf, only a week old or something. And then we got it off the trailer and then we're hand feeding it. So I do it three times a week while she goes to Pilates. I wake up in the morning and go out and feed the calf. And the girl who used to live here, she's moved out now, but she was like, oh, it's kind of made me think twice about my dinner last night because she bought takeaways that had beef in it. So she's like eating the calf and then when you actually see the animal in person and like interact with it and go and pet it and like while you're outside in the grass and stuff you're like kind of putting two and two together so it is a good feeling um but it's it's kind of hard I always come back to the same argument in my head and I'm like if I eat salmon around my time of month then I'm like a hypocrite because then why is the cow more important than the fish because it should all be equal but I think your health comes first still and if it's something that I crave there's a reason why and every time I do eat salmon which I do save it for a treat and like try not to have it much um but when I do eat it it does feel like it satisfies my hormones or whatever it is that I'm craving and then I'm good for like another few weeks or whatever so I think your health does come first but sometimes there are certain nutrients and certain ingredients that we will still crave and that's the one thing I still have as well as like Um, eggs just from my backyard only from my chickens but I don't buy them from the supermarket so if someone wants to eat that they can find like um find them at certain markets or if you when even when I lived in Auckland I would go on this little drive out into the countryside and people just sell their eggs on the side of the road kind of thing so you can do things like that to get actual backyard eggs that like still aren't from the supermarket so it's still about making it work for you but I always do come back to that I'm like oh my god people are going to judge me for eating salmon even though it's my favorite food but I do try to be transparent online and 
share things that I'm eating like last night I shared my grocery haul and I have non-vegan chocolate but I still put it in there just to show like hey I'm not perfect this is my grocery shop and it's like there's only one thing in there that's not vegan so it's still like 99% or 95% or whatever but I do try to be transparent online if there's other people who might be going through the same kind of arguments and stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, that's so true because, like, these arguments come from a perspective, like, if you made that perspective or mindset switch where it's like, okay, you, you, maybe you might have to, if it's still an internal, like, thing that you, an internal conflict that's repeating in your mind all the time, maybe you might have to go and write down all the amazing, good, incredible things that you are doing, um, that, is in regards to this lifestyle, who you're helping, mm. um, what good is coming from it, and you know where you're heading with it, um, and then also on the other side of the paper, then it's like, okay, well, what are the so-called bad things that I am doing, mm. and who is actually telling me that it is bad? Is it myself, or is it from you know external validation, external pressures? So we're we're so fast. We're so quick to judge ourselves and to bring up um, the terrible things that we are doing um, or the things that we think are so bad rather than giving ourselves credit first and foremost for all the incredible things that we are. Mm. So it's a constant, it's a constant reminder. Mm. It's a, it's a mind game and it just comes from practicing like gratitude from yourself, which I'm sure you do a lot of the time Mm. anyway, but I can completely resonate with that Mm. feeling and that thought it's what it's like why is one better than the other but then I guess at the end of the day it comes back to if you have that if and you're smart enough to know whether you're lying to yourself about actually having a craving Mm. for it or not um if you feel that craving and you if you feel like your body body thrives off of Mm. it then it's like fucking great do it like there's a thing called the circle of life Mm. for a reason Mm like animals do it to animals yeah and and we are mammals right yeah there is another like another way to look at it as well like I do eat salmon because it's my favorite food but also I started noticing once when I was going to cafes every time I go out for brunch I'm like I need a beetroot juice I don't know why I don't like actually eating beetroot but I just need to drink beetroot juice every time I went out And I Googled it and it's very, very high in iron. So maybe instead of having a steak, my body, maybe because I I, I don't actually want to eat a steak, um, maybe because it's more dense compared to fish kind of thing, like harder to break down and stuff. But I do crave things like that. So you can look at it from still from a vegan perspective if someone doesn't want to eat animal products at all. And if they are having those cravings, maybe look into supplementing the kind of nutrient that that food has like supplementing like a plant a mixed plant omega or for me it's like beetroot juice and making sure I'm eating more dark leafy greens and having more iron rich foods so you can look at it um, from that perspective as well without having to eat the food but if you are having cravings like I've read in some forums and stuff that some vegans also start having dreams about meat and I think that has happened to me maybe three times in my life I've had I've had a dream about steak and I'm like, okay, that's not a good sign. So what can I do to make my plate more nourishing? Because I, I still don't want to eat the steak. I have. Yeah. Not. 
Mm, but I think if people aren't eating balanced so meals, yeah, it was more when I was going through the periods when I wasn't eating enough food. So I probably was low. So I'd be like, okay, get an iron supplement, making sure I'm eating enough bulk foods and yeah. enough whole foods. And then the other thing I was going to say was with the diet definitions. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I say, I say plant-based means animal products take up 10% or less of your diet, but I follow this other dietitian who calls it like a plant forward diet and she still eats chicken sometimes and has some dairy, but she eats a lot of tofu for her lunches and has a lot of plant-based meals. So she's like plant forward or it can be flexitarian. And I think how we eat is like maybe halfway between plant-based and halfway between Mediterranean. Oh, yeah, Mediterranean. Because Mediterranean, they have like more dairy than I would recommend or anything as well. But they do have a little bit of fish, but a high focus on salad and veggies yeah. and grains and plant foods. So it's kind of a mix between all those. But it doesn't – yeah, you don't have to get caught up in the specifics. I just call it plant-based because it's like based around plants. It is, mm. it is. But it's in the name, right? Yeah, it's based around plants. <laughs> so, like, whatever you want to make out of that, yeah. like, I'm like, go make your own definition. Yeah. Re- rewrite it. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> and the only other question I had to ask you is what is it really like to do a bikini bodybuilding prep? Like, what's all the behind the scenes of what it's truly like? What is it mm. like? In a few words, it's um, – gosh intense mm. um it it's it's I I mean look I I did it for four years because I fucking loved it and so I think that it is one of the most rewarding things that you could ever probably put yourself through mm. um the prep itself it again depends on the person but you have to you kind of do have to expect coming into a prep that your life is going to be a little bit more regimented or like um structured Mm. than it may normally be um during a prep I would have a a client probably in a prep for no no in no we're less sorry I'm getting hungry so I'm like (laughs) (laughs) um like but like a a 10 week prep Mm. would be like a minimum that I would put a client through or myself through which is why I'm like when you said you did a six week prep I was like holy shit that's crazy to me um I know it's mental but I think the longer that you can kind of stretch out a prep which is when you're like getting leaner I'm getting you know your shred kind of stage I think that um, I've noticed that the longer my preps, the it makes it such a, it's way more enjoyable, way more comfortable. Um, you have time to play around with it. So when I, I've taken a different approach every single prep. Um, when I was coaching myself, and I think that one of my favorite preps that I had for myself was um, actually just reverse dieting mm. to one of my shows. So. Uh, I was fully aware with how my body functioned. And so I knew that if I came in a little bit leaner, a little bit sooner, then I could flip that on its head, Mm. reverse it, start feeding my body with more calories. My body's going to thrive, love it more. And um, I reversed into prep for about, uh, yeah, five weeks or so. And I um, got very lean. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I loved it where 
Yeah. Whereas I've definitely done it like your more standard traditional way of like just deficiting into a show and having your refeeds here and there. Um, I, I believe that like prep is fun, especially if you have a really good coach that knows um, what they're doing and really does listen and take into consideration what you want as an athlete and who you are and what you believe in. Um, I think if you get a really good coach and, and you know each other really well and you have that good relationship, it's an amazing process and um, seeing your body change week by week. At the beginning, sometimes you go through that um, a little cycle of being like, oh, I'm not changing though, but that's only because the leaner you get, the harder it is to obviously see slight changes. So when you look back at when you started versus when you step on stage, the the transformation is bloody mm. insane um and I, I i love the community the culture it's the fact that um i think about i'm not gonna lie like a part of it for me um as well as that community aspect it's it's being acknowledged in the federation that i compete in because icn they look after you like a family mm. and they know each competitor um and so they look after me as a competitor um you know through social media or when I'm at the show um they will always be there for you always have your back and um yeah I just think at the end of the day oh, so I mean I'm gonna end this on a note that's basically with with saying and I don't know if I actually mentioned this to you I may have but I've actually just decided to not compete anymore mm, um, wow so that did I? No, you didn't say that. Did I say? I didn't tell you that, did <laughs> I? No. So there you go. I have finished competing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, yeah, which is interesting because that's what this podcast was about. But I, at the end of the day, I wanted to do it for a challenge and I had mm. Um, prove to myself the things that I wanted to prove when I competed. Um, I know I have the self-discipline and and the right morals uh, to be able to do well in this um, industry, in this sport. Mm. Um, and for now, I want to take my attention away from my um, from being judged in an aesthetically based mm. sport, um, even though you've got to – You've got to be happy with how you look um, up on stage regardless, regardless of the judges' criteria. Yeah. Um, I always say that because your journey is still amazing and credible. Um, but, yeah, taking – I now want to try something mm. that is based on recovery mm. and performance rather than aesthetics. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I get to eat more food. Mm. I get to put on some muscle. Oh, are you going <laughs> to – are you going to do powerlifting or something? I was thinking maybe CrossFit, oh, but I just wanted to um, yeah. get, get – Yes, so we're switching it up. Mm. Um, well, um, the in- I, I love I love being competitive. Yeah. The, the interview that goes live before our episode was actually with an accredited sports nutritionist who also does CrossFit, so you'll get some good tips from that one as well. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Amazing. That's exciting. It's perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. That's awesome because I think that – perfect timing. I think that obviously bodybuilding and plant-based yeah. um, 
you know, they do go hand in hand together. Plant-based diet can go in hand, hand in hand with anything. Yeah. Um, but again, it's going to be a whole new way of looking at nutrition because I know you have to eat mm. an incredible amount to fuel your body for that high capacity training, which yeah. you probably talked about. So again, mm. it's going to find, it's going to be about finding um, new ways of introducing mm. new different plant-based recipes and meals and stuff like that for a different type of training, which mm. I'm excited for. Yeah. That's so interesting to hear. Cause if you've been doing bodybuilding four years, I've only done one show. So I'm like at the start of my whole journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And like, and, and obviously you start to um, understand like what works for yeah. you and, and how much to eat at certain times of your, in your journey mm. and stuff like that. So, because you do go through that, that bulk and then that cut, mm. whereas CrossFit, I guess, is a constant, mm. like it's, I guess it's much more um, continuous mm. and then you can do comps whenever you want, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds so good, though. Mm. Yeah, and then obviously, cool. like, we can become a hybrid. I just love to call myself a hybrid athlete. I think yeah. that would be fucking great. Mm. That sounds so good. Was there anything? Hybrid plant-based. Pl- plant yeah. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to add before we finish up as well? Um, I think we covered a lot. Which was, <laughs> honestly, thank you so much. This was a this was a wonderful conversation. We have, as I can't believe how long we have chat. But like, honestly, at the end of the day, I just think that like it's it's been so good. But um, people just have to take a step away from, I guess, um, just a, like think of yourself and what you want to truly take time as an individual to figure out where you want to get to and, and the processes that may help you get to that place in your life. And so in, in regards to plant-based, like if you, if you want to feel better and, and if you want to try a new way um, of living to see if you like it, my biggest, like the biggest thing is you don't know until you mm. try. Um, I personally didn't know that I was going to be plant-based um, still. And it's been Yes, mm. uh, I don't know exactly when I went plant-based, but I, I guess, yeah, you don't know until mm. you try. So just do the research, um, talk to like-minded mm. people. Um, having this chat with you has been really eye-opening. Mm. It's been amazing. Um, and it, it makes me really proud to be a part of a community uh, that is just so uplifting. Mm. And, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll put all the links for Eden's social media and stuff below did you want me to include your podcast as well from the episode you did do um absolutely yep you can chuck that in there um Mm. (laughs) yeah fyi i will be getting back on the mic soon it's just a matter of like um time feeling like when yeah when i'm ready to jump back Mm. exactly i'll know when so um got some really big exciting plans coming Mm. up um I do have a big launch mm. coming up uh, within the next month or so. So, uh, yes, very excited for that. I think people can kind of anticipate or know kind of what it may be, but um, it does kind of include um, your fitness slash mm. uh, meal nutrition side of things plus the mindfulness, mindset, mental health mm. side of things as well. So, yeah, that's going to be all happening in, within the next couple of months. So, mm. um 
I'll be able to jump back on the podcast um, around that time as well. Hmm, sounds awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Stay tuned for next week and subscribe if you want to see more kind of topics around nutrition and wellness and plant-based stuff and holistic health. So, yeah, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. <laughs>